Welcome to the View in Your Mirror podcast. We are your hosts, Lisa Rubin and Katie Harms. From new moves to tried and true strategies, we'll dissect the ways in which clothing and a little organization can and does affect your daily life. Come along as we hope to inspire, engage, and shape your rituals as well as your shapewear. Well, Lisa Rubin. Yes, Katie Harms. We're back at it once again with more fun and frivolity. <laughs> I know we're very excited about having the guest on that we have today. Yes, we have Heather Fleck. She is, I would say, part of the dynamic duo, along with her husband, PJ Fleck, who is the head football coach at the University of Minnesota. But what I love about them is their giving spirit. And we'll talk more about that when we get into it. I've gotten to know Heather just a little bit, so it'll be fun to have this conversation with her. In the meantime, I want to talk about the feedback that we have been having from our podcast on events, invitations. All I have to say about that is, wow. Thank you to <laughs> all of our listeners. I have received more text about the last podcast that we just dropped than we ever have received. It's all positive. There's some funny stuff. There's some People saying, oh, I had to listen to it two or three times because I've right. seen different events and it really helped me set out what I was going to wear. And thank you also for so many people rating us. It has made a big difference in our Yes, podcast. it has. Yes, it has. And we're talking about being able to rate us on the podcast. And that's how we get noticed. And if you like what we're doing, share it so that others can get in on all the fun that we're having. Yes. And I've had a few questions and screenshots from clients who aren't real tech savvy. And they're like, I don't know how to rate. How do I rate? I think that everybody should just understand that when you want to rate us, if it is Apple podcast, you know, you just go to our icon and hit it. And then you scroll up till you see rating. And then you hit the five stars, hopefully, because you enjoy our podcast. And that's it. That's all you have to do. So Lisa, did you ever think that you in your lifetime would be giving tech advice? No. <laughs> and you know what? As I was saying what I was saying just now, I'm thinking, wow. Well, hopefully people understand what I just said, because I had to learn everything. I'm still right. learning every well, day. Right. As I joke with my husband, you have to push buttons. <laughs> <laughs> but I also would say, if you want to know how to rate a podcast, you're not listening on, let's say Apple, that makes it really easy. You're listening on another podcast platform, Google, how do I rate a podcast on blank platform? And you should get your answers. It's amazing what you can, what you can find out with the old Google. Yes, that's a good, I have not given that advice because I've had to navigate it and figure it out on my own. Mm-hmm. I also learned, Katie, that if you're going to rate us on Spotify, which of course we would appreciate, you have to download and listen to at least one episode in, in order to rate us. Well, I would hope people are downloading and listening to more than one episode on Spotify. Correct. But some people don't download the episode. They just listen to the episode. Ah, good and, point. And, which I do. I listen to our podcast, re-listen. And I do it on Spotify, but it wasn't until I downloaded it that I wasn't allowed to. Now, look at you. I tell you what, this is proof that we can continue to learn. 
<laughs> now, maybe I did something wrong and I could have rated us without downloading, but that's- No, no, no. don't take away from I yourself. Had. Now, Lisa, shame on you. Do not take away from yourself. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, one of the things I want to talk about this morning, which is just fascinating to me, we, uh, I am the mother of three daughters. You have a daughter and a son. Your kids were involved in athletics. My kids were involved in athletics at varying degrees. And we've talked about this before, the statistics about leadership. And Ernst & Young came out with a study in 2018, 94% of C-suite executive females are former athletes. Why do you think that is, Lisa? Well, one of the things I think because of all the clients I do have in C-suite position and what I notice about them is they have a very rigid routine and how they go about their day and how they go about their life. Sometimes that's not so good, but generally they have a specific routine that they follow. And as an athlete, you had to follow a certain routine in order to do everything you needed to do as a student, as a teenager, as a child. So I think that keeps following through. That is a very, very, very good observation. Some other things talked about, there's a woman named Lisa Strassman. Someday I'd like to get her on. She was a college athlete and then went on to work in the college recruiting. And she talks about the fact that it really teaches you how to navigate setbacks. The old, you know, get back on the horse kind of theory. If you're going to be a college athlete, if you're going to be an athlete at any level, you have to navigate the challenges and the setbacks. And you also excel under pressure because that's something else you get used to. If you don't, you don't excel in athletics in any way. So research also shows that those who have a regular fitness routine excel in their careers. So you were just talking about regular routines. That holds true, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And, you know, now that I think about it, the majority of the clients I have who are in C-suite position have a exercise routine that they follow on a daily or weekly basis. It makes sense. And you tend to think about who do you ask to get things done? Generally busy people because they know how to schedule it or they know how to say no. But I think that's so important. And even touching a little bit on the routine of getting ready for an event. And I'm just coming to the realization of how incredibly important it is with some upcoming things. And as we got on to start our podcast, we were talking about those events and you were asking me some very specific questions that I really had never thought about. Like, what is the venue? And yes, this is what the invite says, but here's what that means. And here's what that means. And really talking about it with the idea of three weeks ahead of an event. It's not the, okay, two days before I'm like, oh, I hope that dress is clean. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. I've heard that one before. Or Lisa, I was planning on wearing this dress, but I realized there's a spot on the front. Now, what should I wear? Okay, we can, we can do an alternative dress, but a great thing to think about, like look in your closet. As a matter of fact, I tell my clients, now that you talk about that, is before you hang it up and put it back, inspect what you're putting back. And if it is dirty, do something about it before you put it back. Don't say, oh, I'll remember that because you won't remember it. It's just one more habit that you have to get into, but these habits help you really capture time back at the end of the day or where you're not scrambling when you're getting closer to an event that you wanted to wear that dress to that had a 
stain on it. Now you've got to spend hours trying to figure out what you are going to wear as opposed to the 10 minutes it would have taken you to set it aside and then put it in your dry cleaning bag to go to dry cleaning the next time you went. Exactly. And I was just at a client's house the other day and I, we were doing what I call the big purge and we were going through everything. And there were some pieces of clothing that I absolutely loved of hers, but what did I do? I took them out of the closet. I inspected it completely. She had a dry cleaning pile that was bigger than her giveaway pile because she had never thought that she should inspect her clothes unless she remembers spilling something and she put it back. So she had all these beautiful clothes that had stains all over in different places. And hopefully she can get them out and then it will go back into her wardrobe. But people that leave those stains on for a long time, they might not get them out. Yeah. Well, that also helps you weed out your closet in another way, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it does, that's Katie. A, that's it might be one of your favorite out. pieces and that's, that's upsetting. True. That's true. The faster you get to a stain, the better. Yes. Yes. Well, as we sometimes do, we've kind of gone all over the place. Interestingly enough, I've seen several articles that have come out after we did our podcast on invitations on what each category means. So I think people are taking their cue from you, Lise, and they are thinking, you know what, this makes a lot of sense. We need to be talking about this. And I think it just elevates us all, right? If we can get ourselves ahead of things, if we can share our knowledge we're happy to see others doing the same type of thing. And uh, we lift each other up in that whole process. Yeah. And one of the goals of this podcast is to have women be less frustrated when they're getting up and getting ready in the morning, right? So all of these little Absolutely. tips and tricks that we leave, if they follow just a few of them, they're going to be less frustrated. Absolutely. And if you're out there thinking, oh my gosh, I'm the only one that thinks of this stuff or why is this so important to me? It's important to you because it's a part of who you are. You want to put your best foot forward, whoever you are and in whatever line of work, career, position that you are in, you wanna be at your best. And when you are at your best, the outcome is better. Agree, 100%. So with that, we're going to welcome our guest, Heather Fleck, a former athlete, I will say, and also very involved in athletics now. But how does she navigate all the way around the various balls that she's got in the air and the life that she is juggling? Let's welcome Heather Fleck. Heather, it is so good to have you with us. We appreciate you taking the time out of a crazy busy life that revolves around football. But tell me this, where did Heather come from before football? Well, thanks for having me. First of all, it's always good to see your face. Where did Heather come before football? I grew up in a very small town, graduated with, I think, 74 people in Michigan. But I grew up with a, a sport dad. I played three sports in high school, um, never played at the college level, but I played basketball, volleyball and softball in high school. And I grew up with a dad that just loved sports. I grew up loving football. It's funny, the fall is always my favorite time because I always said I loved, you know, college football and fall and the leaves and my birthday's in the fall. And I'm like, now I'm going to love fall again one day because now the fall is very stressful and full of anxiety, but still fun. But no, I, I grew up loving football. My dad and I would fight over football games in the, in the, in the living room. Um, I grew up a huge Michigan State fan. He was a huge Michigan fan. And we just grew up watching football and sports were all around us. Not only did I play three sports, but 
my dad was a huge collector of cards and we do shows. And I mean, I could, I was the only one that knew what a Beckett was at 12 years old and could tell you the prices of certain cards and every stat of every player on every NBA, major league NFL team in history. It's crazy. Okay. Now you have to help me. You were the only one that knew what a, what was a Beckett. So a Beckett was a, it was like a catalog system that would give you pricing for baseball cards. So I used to help my dad, we did shows. So I used to help my dad price baseball cards. And this Beckett was literally a magazine where you could look up each brand of card the player, the number, and it would tell you how much it was worth. (laughs) See, you learned something. I love that. Okay. So along with that, did you grow up more of a tomboy or did you grow up still liking the girly things? No, I I played three sports, but I was very girly girl. I grew up, I would say I probably grew up a little tomboy. Um, I lived on a street where we didn't live like in the neighborhood. So everybody was spread far apart. And my, the neighbors that I had were all little boys. So I would play, you know, when I was eight, nine, 10 years old, I play flag football with the boys and I play basketball with the boys. And, but I still liked to wear dresses on the weekends. Like I'd go, I'd go dig in the dirt and then I'd want to put my, my pink tutu on when I got home. So I wouldn't say I grew up tomboy. I was just, I was very athletic. I loved sports, but I loved being a girly girl too. You know, it's, there was a, a fine balance between it, but I don't think I was ever like tomboy. I was just a girly girl who liked sports. Are your kids involved in sports beyond obviously, you know, coming to games and we'll talk a little bit more about your family, but have you instilled that love in them? I, for sure. I think we try to let them be their own people. Gavin's not a big stick and ball kid. He's more like the extreme sports. The girls are, one is extremely athletic one, and it comes very naturally. And one is kind of just, and she's athletic, but she has to work a little harder. And then we've got one boy who's really into baseball, who's really athletic, who just lives, breathes, and sleeps baseball. So, I mean, we instill in them being whatever they want to be just because dad's a football coach doesn't mean you have to play football just because we played sports doesn't mean you have to. So I think we instill the, the team part. Like I, I think they understand how important a team is, but we've never pushed them, but they all kind of do their own thing. The girls are in cheer and gymnastics right now. They've tried a little bit of everything. I think one will, will pursue a very athletic career in something and one may not, but we've always just encouraged them to, to be who they want to be. It's hard being a kid in the day and age we live in with all of the things coming at us, social media, which you know a thing or two about. I just think allowing them to be who they are and, and helping them cultivate that is, is pretty incredible outlook on things. Yep. And that's what we do. It's, and we literally have the same talk every day. I just had this talk with my 14 year old. He's in Edina now and everybody plays sports. And he's like, mom, I feel like I should, you know, he played baseball when he was younger and he just, he didn't love it. You know? And he said, I wish I would have stuck with sports. Like, I feel like I need to play a sport. And I'm like, don't feel like you need to be someone you're not. There's 3000 students in that school. Not all of them play sports. And I said, it's, you can have friends that play sports and and go support them, go to their games. You know, you don't have to, you don't have to play football to be cool and you don't have to, but I think it's, it's a huge part of, especially 2022. And you see the kid, especially these days, it's when, when you're, when your dad's the head, your stepdad's the head coach, the first question you ask is, do you play football or do you play sports? So I think that that's hard with social media and just the pressures to feel like you have to, you have to play sports or you have to be this, or you have to look like this with our girls. We talk about it. Like the world just isn't like it was when we were kids, you know, it's, it's very different and you have to navigate that with your kids, which we all know is extremely important. 
so, so important. Now talking about your kids and you mentioned stepkids and you have a blended family. Yep. And when you came from Michigan, not all the kids came for the whole time. And so you've navigated this blended family. Talk a little bit about that and how that's worked for you. So Gavin, our 14 year old is mine from my previous marriage. And then PJ's Carter Paisley and Harper are from his previous marriage. So his ex-wife lives in St. Louis and my ex-husband lives in Michigan. So when we were in Michigan, none of the kids were in school yet either. So except for Carter. So it was very easy to get them for a week at a time. And Gavin lived with us full time. He was kind of half and half between our house and his dad's house. And when we left Michigan, we, it was very important to us. We, you know, we left in January, which is the middle of the school year. Gavin was nine and it was really important for us to let him make his own decision. I never wanted to rip him out of there against his will. My entire family's there, you know, his, his, his family, his brothers and sisters, his, his grandmas and grandpas, everybody's there. So as a mom, that's probably the hardest thing I've ever had to do. I mean, I cried for the first two years, just not having my son full time. And then we got into a routine of, you know, once the St. Louis kids were in school, it was like, okay, we do the triangle. So when I pick them up, it was, we'd go back and forth to Michigan all the time. We'd go back and forth to St. Louis all the time. Um, and we have a really good relationship on both sides to, to make that easy. Cause our life is, you can't just go by a set, set schedule. It can't be every other weekend. It can't be you know, every other week it's the kids are in school, they have their activities and our schedule is crazy. Do we have an away game? Do we have a home game? Are we in recruiting? Like what is our schedule? So we've got people on the other side that help work, navigate that pretty well, but it, we've always kind of let the kids make their own choice. And it's, it's different. Usually when you have a divorced family, like it's more common that the child lives with the mom. So I think for a long time, I had a hard time with people asking me, well, why isn't your son here? Why is your son back in Michigan, Michigan? So you almost feel like ashamed or embarrassed or guilty or it. So that was hard too. Not only did I have to deal with not having him full time, but I also had to deal with explaining it to people. So, and we've always just, we, we've never pressured him. We've never told him. We've just always let all the kids know, like, this is your home too. You, you're always welcome to live here full time. And he just made the, Gavin made the decision on his own just at the end of last year. He's like, you know, I start high school next year. And I think that high school is a good place to start over. And then the St. Louis kids, you know, Harper had a cheer competition um, in Florida in the spring and her mom wasn't able to take her. She's like, is there any way you could take her? So I got to spend some one-on, it's, it's hard to get one. When you have four, it's hard to get one-on-one -on -one time with any of them. So, you know, her mom and I have had, the kids were really young when PJ and I met. So her mom and I have built, built a great friendship just based on the best interest of the kids, you know, and, and, and I remember very early on, I told her, you may not like me and I may not like you. I'm like, but the kids are never going to see that. And after almost nine years, they never have. I mean, we go to baseball games and the kids bounce back and forth between us and, and their mom and their stepdad. And every, everything is as much as you don't want to, you know, being divorced with kids is never an ideal situation, but we've made a very non-ideal situation, pretty ideal. And it's, it's taken a lot of work in trust and, you know, like you say, navigation, but it's at the end of the day, our kids are happy and healthy and everybody is doing amazing. And I think your collaborative spirit, which continues to come out as I get to know you a little bit better, bravo for that. You've kept those kids in the forefront and, and really created these relationships that do nothing but envelop and raise kids up and 
that's all you can ask. That's all you can ask. And the best thing that come came out of your former relationships are your children. Let's face it. Right. So keeping them in the forefront is fabulous. Did COVID play a big role in good or bad with the, the lifestyle and the plans that you had before COVID hit? It was a lot harder because with COVID, we, I mean, I, when, when we first went into that lockdown stage, we didn't see any of them for like eight weeks, which is, I mean, we don't go longer than a couple of few weeks seeing the kids. So to go literally eight weeks with not being able to fly with not, I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't fly commercial you couldn't fly private. We couldn't, could we have driven to them? Probably, but we're all in lockdown. Right. So COVID made a huge impact on, on during that time. Now, I think it was a little easier once all of the, the flight restrictions were lifted because then the kids were in homeschool. So right now we navigate around school and sports and they didn't have those at that time. So once all of the restrictions with flying were lifted, we were able to, to get them again, but it certainly changed it for a while. I think now we're back to normal, but during the, the beginning stages of COVID, absolutely. I mean, it was PJ and I, we don't sit still anyway. So like a lot of people, we didn't know what to do with ourselves with, with that first you know month of COVID and having to be stuck in the house. And then we're, we're stuck in the house and we're not able to see our kids. So that was challenging. That was definitely challenging. I'm glad we're through that stage of COVID. No kidding. PJ has been at the helm at the U for how long? We've been here for five and a half years. This is our sixth football season. So basically six years ago, because the, the transition happened fast, right? And I mean, was- yeah, we, we left our bowl game in December at the end of December and we weren't planning on going anywhere. We literally were about to sign a 10 year contract at Western Michigan. And we got the, I remember even talking about Minnesota because people were like, Oh, Minnesota is going to open up. And PJ's like, the guy just won nine games. No way. Like Minnesota's not going to open. And we got the call on January 1st or on December. It was like December 30th. I think the 31st we took the job in, no, it was, Jan- it was in January. It was after. January 1st, January 2nd, we took the job, January 3rd, and then we were here January 6th. I mean, it was it was literally like the job's open, interview for it, get offered the job, take the job, all in a matter of four days. And I think I read somewhere, tell me if this is true or not, when you were talking to PJ about it, you know, contemplating whether to take it or not, and you asked him, does it scare you? Yeah, that's always been my 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 kind of question with anything. Like if it doesn't scare the hell out of you. It's not big enough. And I've thought that about most dreams because I can't tell you anybody that pursued a huge dream that wasn't scared at some point. And, you know, he had done so much at Western Michigan at that time. And he was a first time head coach. You know, he went one and 11, his first year went through a divorce and then built that thing from the ground up went eight and five, eight and five. And then his last year there, he went 13 and zero with a cotton bowl bid against Wisconsin. And that's the only game we lost all year. So I think at that point he knew that he could do it, but then it was like, gosh, it's the big 10. You know, the big 10 was his dream. He, oh, he's a Midwest guy. He wanted to coach in the big 10. And I was like, is, is Minnesota scared? Cause I remember when we were talking about it, he's like, is this the job? Like, is this the one that you leave this job for? Cause at the time, I mean, Kalamazoo just loved him. I mean, he, the, the team was going to be great for, he'd recruited it so well that it was going to be great for the years moving forward. And he loved it there. And we built a life there. You know, we had a, a great life there. So I remember talking to him about Minnesota and he just, he's like, I don't know. I don't know. I was like, it's a, you know, it seems great. I'm like, does that scare you? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, then we go like that's, if it scares you, then we go. That's the one. I love that. I love what you just said, because I totally believe in that. 
And if it doesn't scare you, then it's not big enough. I love that. Yeah, that is a fabulous outlook. Now, having said that, you traded one M from the other. You went from Michigan to Minnesota. We're talking about navigating. How have you navigated Minnesota Nice? Well, Minnesota Nice is great. I And I, I had heard about Minnesota Nice. To be honest, the only time I'd ever been to Minnesota was a, a girl's trip when I was like 18 years old to the Mall of America. I mean, it was, just, <laughs> you know, of course it's a destination place. That's the only thing I knew about Minnesota. So we didn't know a soul here. We knew nothing about any of the areas. We didn't know any people. We have no family here. We have no connections here. And I'm from Michigan. So my whole life was in Michigan. I, I mean, very small town. Everybody knows everybody. Um, I had heard about Minnesota nice. And then I got here and I was like, whoa, Minnesota nice exists, but Minnesota passive aggressive also exists. And when you're the head coach, you, you get a lot of it even more. And it took me a while. I, I, I learned that we live in Edina, which is, you know, as a, as a person coming in, you go by your realtor, right? And we have no idea where to go. Like what's within 15 minutes of the U, you know, PJ is not a very patient person. He's not going to drive very far to work, but we don't want to be in the city. Like, where do we go? So they said, you know, a lot of the coaches and athletes and for, re- you always got to think about resale, right? Cause you never know how long you're going to be somewhere. So Edina was what he suggested. And I remember walking into the grocery store in Edina and I remember, I remember people looking at me like, who is this girl? And why is she, I talk to everybody. I walk in the store and I say hi to everybody. And I remember them looking at me like, who is this girl? And why does she have dark hair? And why is she talking to us? Like, I remember feeling like I just walked into like the cool kid room and I wasn't one of the cool kids. And I learned that, you know, Edina is Edina, especially, but a lot of people in Minnesota are from Minnesota. They've been here their whole lives and they can spot an outsider from a mile away. But for the most part, especially being the head coach, you know, we, we met a lot of people early on that were extremely supportive and super nice. And, you know, you, you find out people's true colors after your first loss. Everybody loves you when you're winning, but everybody doesn't have such nice things to say when you lose. But I think it was just a, it's a very similar feel. You know, I feel like the Midwest is the Midwest. It's the weather's a little similar. Like it's, it's a lot colder in Minnesota, but Michigan, you just got dumped on with that lake effect snow. So I feel like the transition wasn't that hard. It wasn't like a huge culture shock by any means. It's a little bigger city, more people, you know, the logo is bigger. The brand is bigger. The job is bigger, but it's, it still has a small town feel at times. And we've met a lot of truly Minnesota nice, amazing people in this, in this state. And you're building another home with, with about a, a process that'll take a couple of years. So I think that's a good thing to know for all the naysayers that always oh, going to jump at the next possible job that opens up that looks better is that you guys have really built some amazing roots here. Yeah. And we talk about that at what point, I mean, we could have jumped already and right. you know, the, the decision with us staying here is because we love where we live and we wouldn't be building a house if we didn't love living here. And PJ and I have talked many times about, you know, you, 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 you make a living, but you also make a life. And in the last almost six years, we've met some amazing friends. We love, we're very connected in the community. We're, we're able to do a lot of philanthropic things. We love our players. We love our boosters. We love our donors. We love our administration. Like there's, there, we have a life here. We have a great life here. And no matter where you ever go, if you go somewhere else, you have to start over. And it's taken us, you know, it took a couple of years to, to build to figure out what our purpose was here. Like, how do we fit besides just being the head football coach? Like, how do we fit in the community? What can we do to help? 
what, you know, what organizations can we be part of? What can we do for, for community service? So that takes a while to, to really find where you fit. So if we didn't love being here, we certainly wouldn't be building. And this, this house project, we actually talked about probably four years ago is when we started when, cause we bought a new construction. Um, mm-hmm. But as you know, you do a lot of entertaining when you're the head coach, you know, you've got official visits, you have recruits over, you have boosters over. And it's just one of those things we wanted to do something custom that really fit our needs. We talked about it like four years ago. We met with an architect. We've had these plans for like three years now. And it was just always, you know, once you get in season, it's like, oh gosh, what's going to happen? Like, you know, it, PJ is, is overly cautious at times where he worries about everything. He's paid to worry, right? He's paid to think and he's paid to worry. So every loss, it's like, oh gosh, are we getting fired this year? Oh gosh, what's going to happen this year? So when we, when we signed the extension last year, we were like, okay, we know we're going to be here. Let's, let's build this house. I know it's going to be a two-year build, but let's go. But, and we do that because we love living here. I told PJ, if, if God forbid something, this is kind of morbid, if something ever happened to him, I'm like, I'd probably stay in Minnesota. Minnesota is more home to me than my hometown is after six years. Wow. Oh, that's a, that's a great to testament to Minnesota. Yes. And it, we really are filled with good people here. I really feel that. And I, I feel that at the U too. There's a lot of, you know, people have opinions. You know, what's the, what's the saying? Opinions are like assholes. Everyone's got one. Yep. <laughs> it's true. I mean, it's true. It's like the best, it's like the worst and best quote out there. It's so true. Everybody's got, everybody's got one. And when you're the head coach, you know, everybody in the state of Minnesota contributes to PJ salary. So mm-hmm. in a sense, everybody feels like they kind of own a piece of PJ. So they can say whatever they want. I mean, if we're at dinner and, and somebody doesn't like his fourth and one call from a game, you know, six games ago, they're going to tell him. They're, they're going to talk to him about it and they're going to tell him. And that's just, that's part of, it's part of what you sign up for. It comes with the territory, but it, it is hard at times. But for the most part, the people that we encounter are amazing people. We don't have a lot of, most of the, most of the not nice people hide behind screens and keyboards with no names. So the people that we actually encounter face-to-face are pretty amazing people. I couldn't agree more. And I feel like your energy, the energy that you two bring is really quite remarkable through, you know, I think the early years were tough, right? Without having that streak of performance, let's just say, without seeing. And no, Minnesota, yeah. it's, it's been a long time, really, for those beleaguered sports fans that have seen Minnesota football excel to the level that it's excelling now. And so there's always that question. But I think whatever the record is, whatever that the energy that you have brought to the program is really remarkable. And I want to talk about that. We're going to take a quick little break because we want to talk about Rustica Bakery, which is our sponsor. And everybody has a Rustica story. And we happen to love Lisa and I have some different things that we love. She, Lisa, tell about your cookie. I mean the double chocolate cookie. Yes. That I only get one of because if I get the bag, I eat the whole bag. <laughs> that's mine. Although I really like their iced tea too. I know that's really crazy and dumb, but they have really good iced tea. And it's a coffee I, place. You know what? I think people that are that are iced tea aficionados really do look for the good iced tea. And it isn't easy to brew a good iced tea. Hey, yes, I have a lot of opinions about iced tea. And the first question I have is, 
do you use a gun with your iced tea? Because if they do, I don't, I don't use it. Because I'm, I'm not really a coffee drinker, but I love a good iced tea. And what is a gun? When uh, you're doing like Cokes and Sprites and stuff comes sure. out of the gun. Well, you can buy iced tea. It's really not iced tea. It's not brewed. And they give you that. And ugh, it's terrible. All right. All right. Heather, how about you? Do you have a Rustica story or a favorite I know. item? I, to be honest, I don't know. I don't, I must not get out much. I don't know that I've ever got anything from Rustica. I'm oh, gonna Heather, it. we're going to turn you Heather, on. To we're turning you on to Rustica Bakery yeah. in Edina in Southdale. It is just on the side of Lifetime Fitness. Easy in, easy out. Their bakers are amazing. They have really artisan breads and sweets and treats that are beyond compare but if you're a coffee drinker they have incredible coffee too incredible coffee well i'm not a big coffee drinker but i love breads and sweets and treats so i'm in trust me i don't even eat double chocolate cookies but someone (laughs) made me try it a long time ago and when I go in there, maybe just for an iced tea, I sit and stare at it like we're going to have a fight <laughs> or a discussion about it. And then I'll go, can I have one of those? Because they come in these bags and they'll go, you just want one? Yes, I just want one. Like I get all upset about it <laughs> because I know if I eat more than one, that's really a bad thing. Don't make me get more. Challenged. Yes, yes. But they have great uh, lunch really sandwiches. Yeah, phenomenal bread. And you can, you can order ahead if you go to rusticabakery.com. You can order ahead. We also want to give some love to their location off of Bede Makaska. It is right by Punch Pizza off of what is that lake and well, Excelsior, right? Where they come together. Right by the Whole Foods across the street. Right across and the, the street from station. the Whole Foods. All right. So we've given, uh, we've given Rustica Bakery some love, rusticabakery.com. Let's get back into the discussion about you, Heather. We're all about you. (laughs) Let's talk about your personal style. You always have a beautiful smile on your face. You, how did your day start? Let's start there. Do you have a routine? (sighs) You know, I I do have a routine. It's just not at the same time every day because my schedule is different every day. I mean, it, it, and it, varies throughout the year. Are we in season? Are we in recruiting season? Are we, are we, where are we in the year? But my day always consists of a million errands to run. There's always something to be done, but I make sure I work out every day. I am, I, I am not okay if I don't at least, and it's sometimes I always say a shitty workout's better than no workout because there's days I can get 15 minutes in and I feel like I didn't accomplish anything, but I at least feel a little bit better. I get up in the morning, I get my son off to school, which is easy. He's 14. He pretty much takes care of himself. I kind of just kiss him goodbye. And then I just go through my to-do list right now. I'm, I'm packing up our, our lake home that we just sold. So between I'll leave here and go to PJ's radio show. Every Tuesday has got the radio show, you know, on Thursday nights are our date nights. We make sure that no matter what our schedules are Thursdays in season, without fail are our date nights. The, the staff goes home early on Thursday afternoons. They get to spend time with their families. So Thursday afternoon is always something for, for PJ and I, and it's usually, you know, we might go golf, we might go shop, we might go do something that we always do dinner. So Thursdays are very consistent during the season. Fridays we're in the hotel, whether it's home or away, and then Saturdays are game days. And then Sundays are kind of our beginning of our reset of our week, but I don't have a set routine, but I have certain things that I make sure I do. I make sure I work out 
I'm a huge music fan. So I've wherever, I, whatever I'm doing, I've got music going in the background. I actually had to walk around the house and make sure I didn't have anything playing before I got on, but just to, to work out, I don't typically get a ton of just me time. And I think I struggled in the beginning about like, you know, coming from, from a background of, I worked all the time. I mean, I was a single mom for a few years and I worked, I've worked my, I've worked since I was 16 years old. So I think when I first got here, not even when I first got here, when I first met PJ, I think it was hard to know my purpose. Like, what's my purpose now? I'm a coach's wife. I'm not working. You know, I have, we had Gavin full-time. I've got three other kids part-time. Like, what is my purpose in life? And if I wasn't, if I didn't have a million things to do that day, I felt worthless. Like, I felt like I need to be doing something. And, and every day I come up with something with PJ. I'm like, we need to invest in something. I need to get into real estate. I need to, and he's like, Heather, you're, you're part of this program. You know, you're a mom to these kids. And it took me, it took me a while. We had a call from a a player our first year when I was really struggling with finding my part. I wasn't involved in the community yet. We hadn't done a ton with Masonic yet. I wasn't on the board with quantum battle house yet. I just didn't know what to do with myself. And we got a call that one of our players aunts died and he wanted me to take him to get a suit. And I was like, this is my purpose. Like to make sure I'm available for these kids. Cause we have four kids, but let's face it. I have 130 every year that are like my own kids. So I think that maybe answers your question. I have a routine, but it's not a set routine there. There's times that I get home at 10 o'clock at night and I'm like, Oh my God, I haven't worked out. I got to go downstairs and work out for 10 minutes. But because if I don't, I, I feel awful, but my routine is whatever the football schedule and the kids schedule and all the other stuff has in my day. You said something in there that I really want to I want to go back to, you said, um, because I'm not working. And I think we, as women, sometimes think about if we, if we're not in a paid position somewhere, we don't have a job. And yet everything you do is about the betterment of someone else. And what a, that is, and, and you're working at that constantly. You're working at making other people's lives better. So I would qualify that. I think you work. I think you work damn hard, girl. And I, I think you, uh, I, I think you have a lot going. And uh, so you forget sometimes just, just how important a role you have. And I love it when you talk about PJ saying you are a part of this program, because I think that is to be celebrated. And people, it's people like you that we need more of. And that you bring other people up and make them feel good. And I think that role is sometimes more important than some of the other roles people play. So. Well, thank you. PJ always says, I die without you. He's like, I, I know what you do. I mean, if it's anything outside of football, I handle. And we all know everybody's got crazy busy lives and kids and houses and just taking care of everything so that he can be the best head coach he can be. When PJ gets home, I don't want him to have to worry about, you know, I don't have a honeydew list for him. I mean, I'm, I'm on ladders and changing light bulbs and taking out garbage and he does those things, but I I don't expect it of him either. I mean, the guy's working 15 hour days most of the time. And there's, there's certainly nothing I expect him to do when he gets home, but that's, I think what makes us such a great team. We both kind of know our roles now and PJ's role is, is to make a huge difference in the lives of young people and the development of football players and, I get to be a part of that. You know, he's got a platform that I've got to meet Megan and Braxton are two amazing little 10 year old, 11 year old cancer survivors that are literally like part of our family. So through his job, I've always said that 
when somebody, when somebody has a career as big as PJ's, you can't both have that. I mean, PJ and I would literally pass in the night if I had some kind of big career. And even I, you know, I thought about real estate and it's like, how often would we see each other? How often would I get to be part of the program? How often would I be around for our kids and taking care of the homes and all the things I do? How often would I get to do the community service that we do? And it just wasn't worth it to me. And I think that my dream was never to, to coach college football, right? Like, or to be a coach's wife. I had no idea what it entailed, but living PJ's dream in turn has made his dreams, my dreams. Like I never realized how much of an impact I could make or the relationships that I could cultivate based on his job. So as much as I know, I know what I do. Sometimes you have that because it's not attached to a paycheck. Like you have that sense of what is my purpose? Like, what do I contribute? What do I leave behind? And there's days I struggle with it, but it's usually on the days if I have a little bit of a lull in my day and it's not filled with something that I'm doing, that's when I'm like, okay, I gotta be doing something. Like I gotta, I gotta not be worthless today. I gotta, I gotta, and it's not very often, but I feel like it took me a long time to find that. And it was, it wasn't until I got involved with Masonic in the Ronald McDonald house and some of the things that we do to, to really find that. That's incredible. That's through your row the boat foundation, which we're going to talk about in a minute before we do, I want to talk about early on, you talked about the young man that you helped find a suit and that helped bring you to a little bit of what your, what your purpose was. But you've also talked about the fact that you're, you know, you're a surrogate mom to 130 young men who I'm sure not all are calling you, but some probably reach out on different levels. But early on, when you're trying to build that program, PJ had asked you to share, you have tattoos and PJ had asked you to share with the team what your tattoos meant. And you questioned whether you could do that. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So it was our first year and, and I have quite a bit and everything that I have has a story. I mean, there's, there's not one piece of ink on my body that doesn't come with some kind of story about my journey. And I think a lot of people just look at me and they think, you know, she's, she's married to the head coach and they live in Edina and they've got four beautiful kids and her life has always been perfect. Like she's never had any kind of adversity. And so I I remember, you know, we, we come into this new place and we came into a little bit of turmoil as far as the team was very divided. And I remember him asking me, I think I want to do a tattoo night with our team. He's like, would you be willing to share your tattoos? And I was like, no, I, I mean, my, my immediate answer was no way. Like, I don't, people ask me all the time and I'm like, oh, they're personal. Or if I get to know you and, and I'm also very careful about when I show them, I mean, I, I have a lot of ink, but everything until I sleeved my arm, everything that I had was cover upable. I always made sure that I could cover anything up that if I had to. And it wasn't until I, I when I turned 40, when I decided to fully sleeve my arm. And even now I'm careful. Like if, when I first meet somebody, I, I don't show a lot of them. Cause even in 2022, where most more people have them than don't, you're still a little bit labeled by them. So I always want to make sure people get to know me first and then know I have tattoos. So my immediate answer was no, but I'm like, here we are coming into this, this team and we're telling these kids to trust us. And we're going to be like a second mom and we're going to be like a second dad. And it's like, who am I to not at least show them some of me, like, and, and not be a little bit vulnerable to, to tell them my, some of my story. So I was like, okay. And it was one of those things I didn't like disrobe in front of the team. Let's make that clear. I put them all on, we took pictures of all of them and put them on little screenshots. So during the team meeting, I got up and, you know, talked about each one. And 
this was a team that was, that was really divided and not a lot of them, you know, would get up and speak or share their stories. And I spoke for probably 30 minutes, just about, you know, my story and, and where I came from. And, you know, I had divorced parents and I had gone through an abusive relationship and the things that they had no idea. And after I got done talking, there was probably 25 of them that got up and shared their stories. And we learned a lot about those kids. I mean, one, one kid had a tattoo for his grandma because grandma raised him because mom shot dad. Like it's stories that were really deep that maybe connected that kid to another kid in that room that they had no idea what they went through. So it was, I was very apprehensive. My, my immediate answer was no way, but even now, you know, almost six years later, I'm really glad I did it. That's beautiful. And the program, the building of the program too, and how you approached it as a couple and, and your desire to give to those kids, I think is, is so meaningful and to continue to do that. And, and from that has grown the Ronald McDonald house and you're involved with, with the children's Masonic, you have clearly a heart for kids. How did that organically come about? Well, I mean, organically it came about with, with PJ's, uh, the original, just where row the boat came from and what row the boat means. And tell us about that. Tell us about that. So February 9th, 2011, PJ and his ex-wife lost their second son to a heart condition at birth. And he had been involved in the children's hospital before, but he knew that when he became a head coach, he wanted to do something that would benefit, you know, he spent a lot of time in the children's hospital as a player and when he was in the NFL. Um, and, And I did too, when we were at Western Michigan, we did a lot of things together with our, with our hospital there. And he knew when he became a head coach that he wanted to do something that would rally around a, a, a philanthropic cause and the children's hospital was just something that was always very close. So when we got here, so he started row the boat at back at Western Michigan. When we got here and we got involved with Masonic, um, we had done bedside visits. So every week, part of our community service with our players was going into Masonic. And it's like, 2022 was hard. I mean, 2020 was hard. 2019 is hard. And these, these players have grueling schedules and society is hard and school is hard and football is hard. And we're like, it wasn't necessarily just about perspective, but if you think life is hard, go walk the halls of those children's hospital, like see what those kids and those families are going through. And when we first started doing it, it wasn't necessarily just for perspective. It was literally because kids love to see football players. It was to put a smile on the face and visit kids that are, that are not able to get out of the hospital and as soon as we got involved with Masonic, we, we knew we had to be involved somehow. So we created the Fleck Family Fund with Masonic. And, you know, all hospitals have donors and boosters and ways that people contribute money. But we wanted to make sure that what anything we did directly impacted the families. So any of the sales that are row the boat, a portion of all the sales, we don't get anything off row the boat. We make zero off row the boat. We own the trademark. So anything that we would typically get from row the boat goes directly into that fund. And it's, it's a fund that doesn't just go to brick and mortar. It doesn't go to research. It goes directly to the family. So kids that are in the hospital for months and parents aren't able to get out. We, we provide gift cards for date nights for the, for the parents to get out during COVID. We haven't been able to be bedside. So we created these row the boat boxes that has like blankets and hats and just the story of row the boat and what it means, what the never give up mantra means. And I think organically, it's always, it was always just a, just a, we knew it was going to be a charitable cause for, for the children, but 
organically the hospitals that we've been in and that the organizations that we've been a part of have made it very easy to just continue to pour into. And talk a little bit about Ronald McDonald, because I know you've gotten very involved there as well. Yep. So I'm on the board there now. We had gone there for a visit. We do a turkey drive every year and we, we volunteered uh, turkeys one year in Amy and Jill that run that place. I didn't know much about Ronald McDonald House. I mean, I had seen the the canisters in the in the McDonald's, but I really didn't know what they did. And I walked in and I met with Amy and Jill and just to see what the house is. It's truly a home away from home for these families with with sick children. I had no idea how it worked, um, who was in the house, how they were able to get in the house, what it did. And I spent a little bit of time around it and I'm like, oh my gosh, how do I help? How do I be involved in over the years, just seeing what that house does is nothing short of incredible. Like to see the, the families that go through really, really, really tough times and they have that house and that family atmosphere is incredible. I mean, I don't know how I never knew about it before, but now that I do, and I know they're nationwide, I'm really involved with the Oak Street one because uh, it's close. We do a lot with our players, you know, we decorate trees and bring turkeys and we do events there with the kids. COVID's made that a little bit tougher. We haven't been able to do a ton in the hospital or at the Ronald McDonald house for a while, but we're still able to do things from afar. And, you know, we've got people that I've got great friends that, that go in there now and cook on Tuesdays and do, you know, she's a great chef. Her name is Lisa Jansen. Her, her husband was part of Lando Lakes forever. And they're two of the most incredible people ever. And I love connecting people. We meet so many great people. And part of my job is, and that I love to do is connecting people you know, Shields has made it possible that Austin at Shields that I met, my dream for Row the Boat was to be in like a big box store. And so many stores told me no, Target told me no, you know, they just didn't carry brands and stuff like that. So once we started collaborating with people, Austin actually reached out to me and he's like, I love the brand. I love what it stands for. I love the never give up mantra. Like, how do I get involved? So connecting him with the Ronald McDonald house and the Sonic and Megan and Braxton and all these families that we've met has been amazing. Bravo. Yeah. Bravo. Truly. So I want to ask you what your superpower is. I think my superpower is actually a blessing and a curse. I'm, I'm Italian and Irish and I have a huge heart and I'm very feisty, but I have a, I have a really big heart and I'm able to do, I think my superpower is the multitasking. I'm able to get a lot done. Like I'm able to handle a lot and do a lot. And I think part of my superpowers is that I care a lot. Like I care so much almost to a fault that I, I almost care too much that like every little thing, if it's not perfect, will bother me. So I, I think my superpower is that my, my heart is very big. That definitely is. I would also say your ability to connect people. I think that's a gift. Might not be your superpower, but it's definitely a gift. I want to close with clothing. <laughs> I'm closing with clothing. Talk to me about your personal style. You know, I don't really, I, I don't really have like a, a person. I like what I like. And it, you'll see me one day in jeans and a t-shirt and you'll see, I wear a lot of all black and it's not that my closet is full of color and I just gravitate towards the black. I don't know what it is. It's, it's, I have no idea. It's just what I gravitate towards, but I'm, I, I was telling you earlier, I'm picky about a few things. Like I'm picky about my purses and I'm picky about my shoes, but when it comes to clothes, I'm not like a, I'm not a brand snob. I'm not a, if I like it, I like it. I'll, I'll go through Nordstrom and like something. I'll go through Target. If I see a shirt at Target, I will buy it if I like it. I'll buy a bathing suit at Target. I'll also, you know, go through Nordstrom and find the most expensive t-shirt and buy it. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't really have a, a personal preference on like brands. It's one of those things that if I like it and, and now I'm a girl, so 
there's days I'll buy something and then I put it on a week later and I'm like, why did I buy this? I hate this. It looks terrible on me. I'll change 27 times, but I'm, I'm all about just, I think that especially with my wardrobe, it's every occasion has a certain, most of the time you see me, I'll be in yoga. I'm in like yoga gear. And I think anything in between, I'm either, I'm either dressed up or in, or in yoga stuff because my day either consists of running a million errands between, you know, after my workout or before my workout or being in an event. So I think my personal style is whatever makes me feel good at that moment. And I don't care where it's from. I love boutique stores. I love, but like, I love something that not everybody has. I will say that I'm not a big, I'll buy something at Nordstrom or, you know, at Macy's or, but I don't want the same shirt that a hundred people, other, other people have. I like some of those smaller, like mom and pop boutique stores. Edina's got a couple great ones. Excelsior's got a couple great ones. I still have to find, you know, I feel like as much as I'm out and about, I don't do a ton of shopping. I buy a lot online, scroll through Instagram and see something that I like that comes from who knows where and I get it <laughs> and I love it. So I'd say my personal style is anything that just makes me feel good. What about a lucky piece? Do you have a lucky piece? Something that you put on that you know is always going to make you feel great? Nope. How about a lucky category? Do you, are you a dress girl or a pant girl? I'm a pant girl. I think I, I like dresses for like events for any kind of like black tie events or like cocktail stuff. I like like a cocktail dress, but I'm more, especially in, I feel like most of the events that we do are in the fall. I'm more of like a leggings and heels and like a cute shirt with a jacket. I wear a lot of jackets. I have a ton. If you see my closet, I have a ton of just different designs of, of cute jackets, but I think I'm more of like a legging and heels. I'm almost always in heels not very tall. It's funny. We were at the game last week and I had flats on. And even at the game, I usually wear a wedge And the elevator lady that, that runs the elevator said, Oh my gosh, I've never seen you in flats. She's like, you're not very tall. (laughs) I'm five, four. Yes. I'm five, four. I just usually have heels on. So I'd say that I'd say I'm more of a pant girl than a dress girl for sure, but I do love a good dress. I just, I'm always cold. So if I'm going to go somewhere in a dress and be cold, I'm not wearing a dress. So black let's, Let's forget about black, right? Because black's everyone's favorite color. What's your favorite color? Light pink. Anything pink. I do love light pink. I'll wear a hot pink occasionally. I like a lot of the jewel tones. I like like a light pink, like pastels, but I also like like a jewel tone pink, like the kind of cobalt blue, things like that. But definitely pinks. I, I gravitate towards pinks after black. Well, you'll be very happy this fall season. You will see a lot of the colors you like. Good. Heather. Thanks a million. An hour has flown by with you. I do not want to leave without really encouraging people to go to rowtheboat.org because on there you can link for giving to Masonic Children's Hospital and Ronald McDonald. You also have all of the collaborations that you've worked so hard on and that is really fun to see. And I just applaud you. You have been delightful. The first time I ever heard you talk was at the Goal Line Club and Mike Grimm had you up there and asked you all sorts of questions and you were phenomenal then and you're phenomenal now. So you are a true treasure along with PJ for Minnesota. So thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. And you are always such a breath of fresh air. So you are, you are what Minnesota nice is all about. So thank you both. Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure. Yeah, you were awesome. Thank you. Thank you. We'll talk soon. Sounds go, good. Wait, wait, no, wait. Oh, that's the last question. Row the boat. Gaima. Go, go first. Go, go first. In that order. Yep. Row the boat. Gaima. Go, go first. Fantastic. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye.
Well, I am a big fan of Heather Fleck, in case you haven't noticed. And I just think that her heart speaks for itself in that interview right there. So really appreciative that she took the time to come on with us. Like I told her when the podcast ended with her, she was awesome. And I really, really enjoyed having her on as a guest. I did too. And I love all she's doing for others. And that is her mission. You know, I think it's interesting when we as women, especially when we're transitioning into different things, and especially with with men uh, who have big jobs as spouses, and the, the things that go on in the background to make their lives easier, and also to figure out how to make yourself happy. That's important. And I think this happens an awful lot too with people who retire. What is their purpose after retirement? And Heather's wasn't a retirement, but it was certainly a change in what she was doing. Uh, She had a job in the the car industry. And so she was full-time, as she said, a working mom. And that changed dramatically. So I think you have to have a, a little bit of an intrinsic motivation to figure out what it is that you want to do next and where it is to place yourself so that you can reach your goals or figure out what your new goals are. And they also, it also sounds like her and her husband are a team. So, that makes a big difference too. Very much so. I, I just love everything, everything about them. Ha, huh, Lisa, we have come to the end of another great podcast. If people want to get a hold of you. They can email me at lisa at wardrobeconsulting.net or they can go to my website, wardrobeconsulting.net. And to get a hold of me, katie at katieharms.com. Website is katieharms.com. We also have a website, theviewinyourmirror.com. On there, you can find a link to all of our uh, episodes. And also you can search out who our nonprofits are because we love the focus on a nonprofit on each of our shows And this one, again, was rowtheboat.org. We hope you certainly peruse. We know that in your lives, you have giving spirits because if you didn't, you wouldn't be listening to us. We also know that when you look in your mirror, you see unapologetically you, and we want you to be the best you that you can be. So until next time, thank you for listening. (laughs) 